Today we're going to be talking about the grace of God, the power of God unto a brand new life. I'm sitting here in Kalabu, I'm in a church building, it's empty at the moment, and I just come here on a Saturday to quickly make our recording for our Sunday internet service. I trust that you're going to be deeply blessed by this message and just have your mind focused on the power of God, the true power of God that brings a brand new life. At the end of the day, the grace of God is all about God's enablement, His empowerment, wherein He brings forth a new life in us. It's much more than just God feeling compassion. It is actually the manifestation that is towards people on account of the compassion that there is in the life of God or what we would call the mercy of God. Grace is basically the mercy of God in action. It is a God that feels merciful, that has compassion, and now his compassion uh, manifested towards us. We can call grace. It is a very, very powerful truth, the message of God's grace or the truth of the gospel of grace, because it is all about what God has come to do to bring a brand new life to us and to preserve our lives forevermore. It is so powerful that it leads to the place where we can simply rely upon God and He does the work. That is what this is all about. Now, let us just pray together as we start our service. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Thank you for your kindness, your goodness. Thank you that your hand is extended towards us and that you have come and you have graced us with your very life. You have decorated us with your beauty and you have come and you've secured our lives forevermore in your compassion and in your love towards us. Amen and amen. You know, if we look at what is going on in the world, we think of the shootings that took place in the United States, we think of the instability that is going on in South Africa as pertaining to political tension and all of those kind of things. I didn't see a lot of that uh, lately. I basically listened to one or two of my friends' messages and, um, and they mentioned it, and I just got a little bit of news updates, didn't really read into that, but I can see that there is some very difficult times that people are going through in the world. And as we are going through these difficult times, we many times might think, what should we do in these difficult times? How should we deal with these difficult times? What influence should we have on these times by what we do? Or what should I do and how will my works, the things that I, the decisions that I make today, influence my security and safety in the future? Now, um, the influence that we think we have on our future would be basically called grace. Uh, the way we think we can grace ourselves in the future is what we basically think of. How will I secure myself for the future? What you're basically saying in the terms of Old Testament as well as New Testament concept of what grace is, is basically how will I influence my life so that I can have life in the future. And that would basically be calling gracing yourself. That would be, on the one hand, a place where you're basically becoming your own God, or we can also say is by when we start to live by our own power. Now, I want to say this to you then, and this is 
proven in the scriptures. It has been seen in the lives of many millions of people all over the world. And this is it, that God is faithful, that he has promised that he delivers. So that means that your life is secure. Your future is secure. Your future is so secure that it can never be taken from you from the outside. The only way where you can not partake in the future that God has for you is if you willfully don't want that future and you say, God, no thank you. I don't want to have the peace that you want to give me as a free gift. I don't, I look at your life, I behold what kind of a being you are, you are, and I have no desire to be like you. I have got no pleasure in a life wherein it is by you for free, wherein I love people, wherein I experience love, where it's a life of humbleness and kindness, where it's a love of joy and strength, that comes from you where I share in your life. I don't desire that life. I would rather die. I don't want that life. That is the only way where you can, and I want to say this as well, and where you not just have a, a temper tantrum, but where you truly mean it and truly live your conviction. That's the only way wherein you will not be able to share in what God has dreamt for you. But as pertaining to God and his relationship with you, he's a merciful God, he's a gracious God, and he has come to impact your life greatly. Now, for so many years in the church, the grace of God was basically seen as the opposite of the law in this sense, that the law gives commandments and what we need to do in order to be saved. And now, since we cannot do that by our own works, we cannot keep to the standard of the law, uh, we cannot uh, live by the commandments of the law or the works of the law. We cannot live by that since we cannot do it because the law is the knowledge of sin. Then we've defined grace as God looking at that transgression and now saying, I'm not going to punish you. So, and, and because I'm not going to punish you, you now have a road into heaven and you can now share with me in walking with me on the streets of gold and sitting next to a crystal sea, having a nice mansion in heaven and so forth. Now, I want to tell you that is not the grace of God. The grace of God is not uh, just, or I can actually say it has never truly been understood by the Apostle Paul as God just looking at your transgressions, meaning you have not obeyed the law, and now, since you cannot obey the law, God is now giving you a second chance by punishing Jesus for your mistakes, and because Jesus was now punished for your mistakes, you don't have to be punished. Now you've got a free ticket to go to heaven. That is not uh, God's plan. That has never been God's plan. God's plan for the earth was to grace the earth with his presence, to grace the earth with his being, to grace the earth with eternal life. God's plan, as, it, as we see it today, is basically uh, to get the hell out of earth. That is what it's about, and to bring heaven to earth. We see it clearly when we go and read in uh, Mark chapter 1. 
Jesus Christ came and preached the gospel. And the gospel that he preached is that the kingdom of heaven has now come to earth. The rule of heaven has come to earth. And this rule of heaven is that God conquers sin and death. And the rule of what is eternal, what is good, what is full of life, what is lovely, has now come to earth. And the earth is now under the influence or the power of heaven or of God himself, the rule of God has now come to earth. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So when Jesus preached the gospel, he didn't preach the message that say, listen, I've died and I rose again. Uh, you know, this is the gospel. No, he preached and he says, the rule of heaven is now on earth. And this rule of heaven manifested in the earth, brought forth victory over sin and death. And that is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ which we call the gospel, the gospel that Jesus was raised from the dead, which equals the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of God that has come to the earth. So God has got, uh, and when God looks at man and he has grace on people, when he graces the world, he graces the world with his presence, with who he truly is. I want to read uh, Webster's definition of the word grace here. Well, just for your information, Webster has got 20 different definitions of grace, meaning that um, there's 20 ways or 20 places basically that you can find in scripture or in the way people use the word grace that's got certain meanings. And then one of the meanings here is the word, and, and this is, I mean, we've got 20 meanings, and then he put the word grace again, and he defined it again. And it means to adorn, to decorate, to embellish, or dignify. To dignify, to decorate, to adorn. So when God has got grace, it means the decoration of heaven or to be decorated with the very life of God has now come to the earth. That is grace. Grace is not God just saying, well, according to a legal contract, you have not obeyed the contract. And because you have not obeyed the contract, that means that you're supposed to be punished. And now I'm punishing Jesus and you're not punished. And therefore you can now go to heaven. The message of God's grace has got nothing, nothing to do with going to heaven. It has got everything to do with the earth being decorated with the beauty of heaven, of which the greatest attribute of heaven is God himself and his life, his eternal life that he's come to give us. What, when we think of heaven, we think of peace, we think of harmony, we think of joy, we think of love, we think of compassion, we think of the Godhead flooded with glory, we think of no darkness. That's what we think of. And when the gospel was preached by Jesus, he was basically saying that God's kingdom has now come to the earth and the influence of God, the decoration of God, uh, the dignity of God is now being 
put into the realm of the earth and there is an overlap that's taking place. This overlap that takes place is where heaven and earth becomes one and we can now see not heaven on its own or earth on its own, but we find a new creation that takes place and that is where heaven and earth has become one and this union between heaven and earth is what we then call the place where grace has taken place. That is what it is. So I want to say to you, many times we just feel, we're just so happy that God is not angry with us. And that is a good feeling. <laughs> I tell you, if you think that somebody was angry with you and he's the almighty God and you cannot run from him, he sees you wherever you go and he, you, you cannot hide from him and he's got this big rod of punishment and he's going to punish you. My goodness, I mean, how will you ever have peace? You can never have peace. You can never have joy whatsoever. Now, God has come, and I read this again, to adorn or to decorate or to bring dignity, to dignify the earth. He's a God of grace, and we are preaching the gospel of grace. I hope you can see that the, the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God comes to earth and we find someone being graced, we see the resurrected, glorified Jesus as a person that has been graced with the fullness of heaven. So if you want to know what grace truly is, if you want to know what the amalgamation of uh, heaven and earth truly looks like, if you want to know what I call the overlap truly looks like, where heaven and earth overlaps, it is the glorified, resurrected Jesus. That's how it looks if somebody is graced. Remember the scripture says that Jesus Christ grew in the grace of God. That means God had an influence upon his life and from a normal baby he was influenced by the Father unto the full manifestation of the glory of God in a human being to the point where he's seated at the right hand of the Father from where he will return. And we will find that we are clothed in the very same glory as pertaining to a manifestation by his doing at his return. That, the, the action of God wherein he takes you from being a person that is an unbeliever unto believing and then seeing the manifestation of his life in you where it ends up in the fullness of the manifestation of God in you bodily is Paul's understanding of grace. That is the grace of God. Now, let us go and read from Exodus 34. And we're going to quickly look at this grace. Moses uh, basically has a complaint against God. And that is that he understands that God doesn't want to go with them through the desert, but that God would just send an angel to help them once they're in the promised land. And um, he was complaining to God. He was saying to God, God, I want to know you. I want to know your ways. And I want you to go with us. If you're not going with us, we're not going at all. We need your presence. We want your presence with us. And if you don't go with us and you don't grace us, if we don't find grace in your sight, 
which would mean deliverance from death by the power of God. If we don't find that, how are we different than any of the other nations? We need to have your manifest power in our lives. We need to see your influence in our lives where you secure us, where your hand is over us, where it's by your power, where you keep us. Otherwise, we're just like all the other nations. We need your grace. Now, uh, Moses and God is in communication with one another. And then one day Moses says to God, I want to see your glory. And then God said to Moses, I will let all my goodness pass before you. So the glory of someone is the goodness of someone, who he truly is put into manifestation. So God told Moses, tomorrow I will appear and I will explain to you who I am. And this is now where we're picking it up, Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord God passed by before Moses and he proclaimed, I'm the Lord, I'm the Lord God. I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm full of long-suffering and I'm abundant in goodness and truth. I'm truthful. I'm keeping mercy for thousands. And what this mercy for thousands amount to is now the, the grace. Remember, remember, he's merciful and gracious. He's keeping mercy for thousands. And now grace is forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. That word forgive means to deliver from, to set free from. The Jewish concept of forgiveness of sins would be we are taken out of the uh, slavery and we are put in the promised land. That is what forgiveness would mean. Forgiveness to the Jew did not have much to do with a God feeling unhappy. It had everything to do with delivering people from what they brought over themselves. That would be forgiveness. It would mean to divorce or to send away. That is what forgive would mean, to take the bondage and send it away. So he says here, I am merciful, I am gracious, I'm long-suffering, I'm abundant in goodness and truth, I keep mercy for thousands. The mercy that he keeps for thousands, remember he's merciful and gracious, he's explaining what this is about. I'm forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. And listen to this, and I will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children's children until the third and fourth generation. I want to read that quickly and explain it. So he says, I keep mercy for thousands, forgiving and even transgression and sin, and will by no means clear the guilty, visiting. That word visiting means to oversee. The role of an overseer to watch over, to direct, to command, to chastise, to review, to take into account. It also means here, um, as an overseer, to visit, one of the meanings here is to punish, to appoint, to commit, to set, to give oversight. It means to attend to, to visit, to look after, to care for, to take care.
to visit upon, to be watchful over. To be caused to miss, to be called, to be called, to call into account. So what he's saying is, is that he is merciful. What he does is he forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, and that he will by no means clear or not visit any guilty one, and he will visit every guilty one with his mercy. In other words, he'll be merciful. He's got mercy towards all people, but the grace would then be to clear them of their guilt, to wash them away, to watch over, to care for them in the midst of their transgression by removing the transgression and what it brought over their lives to them. That would mean that uh, God would say to uh, Moses, basically, who I really am is I am somebody that can preserve your life forevermore. I can deliver you from the bad that you've brought over your own life. I can actually give you a brand new life. That's who I am. Now listen to what Moses' reaction was. And Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth, and he worshipped, and he said, If now, God, I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray you, go amongst us. In other words, you say you are merciful, you say you are gracious, but if it is true that I have now found grace, which is uh, mercy in action, if it is true that you are a, great, a, a, a God of grace, and you move in that influential power, come and live with us as stiff-necked people. So grace would then be, according to Moses' understanding, for God to go over into action and start to live with the Jewish people, pardon their sins, forgive them, cleanse them, make them new, and bring them and guide them by His power into the promised land. That is what grace would be. The word grace is also the first time it's mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis uh, as pertaining to Noah. <laughs> Let us just read that. Genesis 6. Listen to this. Grace is the power of God that preserves your life. That is what grace is. It's not God not being angry. It is God bringing a new life. The word grace and Holy Spirit can, is inseparable. It says here in Genesis 6, And the Lord God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and fowl of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. Now, I don't want to go into a teaching on what that basically is. You just know this is the flood and everybody's going to be destroyed. But listen to what he says. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So everyone, everything is going to be destroyed, but Noah is not going to be destroyed. How was Noah not destroyed? God gave Noah a plan. God worked in the heart of Noah. The ark, God sealed the ark, pitched in and out, protected them, put them in the ark, and saved them. So what is grace? If Noah found grace in the eyes of God, he found the power of God to preserve his life, not to be destroyed. That is what he found. So God says, I am a gracious God. I'm a God that possesses the power to preserve your life forevermore. Now, let's go to John. 
New Testament. With that said, we go to this. John chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 12. Let's read from verse 10. He was in the world and, and through, excuse me, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe upon his name, he gave the right or the authority to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. So what he's basically saying here is that uh, Jesus came to the, to the world. The world did not recognize him. They didn't receive him, his own people. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the dunamis, the authority or the right to have their very being changed. Now who of us can change our very being? It's impossible. Who of us can go, from, uh, can go into a new creation? Who can recreate himself unto an eternal God being? No one. It says here that Jesus Christ, uh, he came to the earth. And whosoever believes upon him, he has given this force, he's given this power whereby we receive newness of being, where we are basically reborn. We have got the authority to become those who are born of God. So what is Jesus' purpose on the earth? Jesus' purpose on the earth was the bringing in of the kingdom of God, wherein we can have the power to be born of God, wherein God gives birth to our actions. And I want to say to you, that is the grace of God. That's called grace. Uh, that is the divine influence of God upon you in bringing into manifestation the, uh, uh, the preservation of life and the sharing of his very being. Verse 14, the word, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God who came from the Father. He was full of grace and truth. Or he is full of grace and truth. The King James, let's read it there. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory. Remember now Moses seeing the glory of God? And now we see the glory of the only begotten of God. What was it full of? It was full of grace and truth. Here it says in the NIV as well, it was full of grace and truth. Truth. Uh, there's another translation that I just want to quickly look at here, which is very powerful. Now, this also says grace and truth. I, I forgot the translation that I read now. It basically says, full of grace and the original intent what it was really about. 
So when Jesus was seen, the resurrected Jesus Christ was full. When we behold the resurrected Christ, the only begotten of God, he's full of grace. What is grace? He's full of God's power to preserve your life. That is what he's full of. He's full of God's power that manifests towards you that preserve your life. Mercy is what's going on in the heart of God. It is, can be likened to compassion. Feeling compassion, you're a merciful kind of a person. Let's say you're a judge. You can be a merciful judge. But when you make your judgment and you set someone free, that is when that person has now found the influence that you can have in his life from the merciful heart that you have. It is the action that you take in order to bring forth a new life in that person. That is what it would mean to be gracious. So if I say to you that God is a merciful God, that's wonderful. But the the thing is, he can be merciful, but you, would you find that his mercy is in action or goes over to actions in bringing forth life to you, pardoning your sins in the sense of sending your sin away? Sending your sin away is basically delivering you from the fruit of the flesh that you are in, bringing forth a new system in your life from where you find that by the grace or the, 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 the spirit of God, you find who God is formed and shaped in you where you are now standing in the overlap where heaven and earth overlaps where you are finding that the, the power of God shapes your life that is the question now Paul has come and he preaches the gospel of grace when we see the resurrected Jesus we're not seeing just the mercy of God we are seeing the grace of God God in action where he's gone over to action in bringing forth the original dream that he has for us to our lives so we are saved by his grace through his faithfulness towards us as we rely and believe on him he brings forth grace i'm so glad that we are in a dispensation or uh well that word dispensation of grace that paul talks about basically talks about something else but we can talk about it this way what we would understand we are in the place where we find the manifestation of the mercy of god in our lives called grace whereby he makes everything new so to the point that we have no need of this strong willpower by which we have to try and push through to kind of imitate that which is good but wherein we find that good is born in us by his doing that is the grace of our lord jesus christ i want to read one more verse Elena, how long have we preached? Can you check here for me? 13 minutes. I'm going to do one more verse. This is in Romans. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that faith would be the faithfulness of God towards us, also, that faith would be the persuasion that is inside the heart of God 
in the resurrected Jesus, that faith would also include the persuasion that happens in us as we behold what God has done. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So what he's basically saying is, is listen, through faith, as we have the same persuasion, through the persuasion that has been made possible for us in Jesus, we now have now peace with God. That peace is harmony with God. There's a harmony that's taking place between us and God. That harmony is this. We have now become the God kind. And this is through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have now gained access into the grace, the powerful manifestation of God's mercy, wherein He sets us free, brings forth His life in us. The grace, we've got access into this grace where we stand, the influential power unto bringing forth God in us. We stand in that grace and we glory in the, um, let me read this out. And we glory in this hope. What is this hope that we glory in? It is the resurrection. It is the full, uh, it's the consummation. It is the full manifestation of God inside us wherein we will shine forth the glory of God as it is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. That is what the grace of God is all about. So I want to say to you, you are saved by grace through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. Listen to what it says here in verse 14. It says, for sin shall no longer have the dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Can you see that? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because we are now under the influential power of God that preserved the life of Moses. Now I want to say this to you. The, the, the preservation of the life of Moses was from the flood. The preservation of life that we have is to be preserved from eternal death. That's what it was all about. That's what God has come to give us. Amen. That is the power that this is all about. He's come to preserve our lives. We are under the grace of God. We see the grace of God. It's not how God feels in his heart anymore. It's not about that. It is about the manifestation of power. Now, the Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and what it is all about came by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses. But grace came by Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that the law is not grace. The law points to the grace of God. The law tells you that you cannot do it by your own power. The law shows you that it is a sin to try and attain unto the life of God by your own ability. That is what the law shows you. But the law is not the grace of God. The law only points you to the grace of God. The law can never save you. It can only point you to the Savior that is all that it can do. But the 
all that Moses could give you is what you must do. But grace, the power of God, whereby God brings a new creation, has come through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. We find that this grace was manifested in the Old Testament in uh, basically what we would call a, sh a shadow, types and shadows in the Old Testament. But the grace that it was, the grace that brings salvation, the grace that brings recreation, the grace, the powerful influence of God, whereby God exerts His holy influence on people, has come through Jesus. So I want you to know that you as a, as a believer can have the expectation of God's power by which he spoke creation into existence, by which he raised Christ from the dead. We can, have, we can know that our expectation, not just expectation, that is the power we stand under, that is the truth, the amalgamation of heaven and earth, the temple reality. You know, in the Old Testament, if you ask people, where's God? They would say, no, he's in heaven. And if you would ask him, where is heaven? They would say, in the most holy place. That's where heaven and earth comes together. That's where God dwells. That's where he is. Amen. Now we find that that place of unification, that place where heaven and earth comes together, is the man, Jesus. And now we are under his rule and under him and he is in us Christ the rulership of God in the earth which is Christ is in us <laughs> it's Christ in us the rulership of this man the the kingdom of God in us the grace of God in us it's the hope of glory what is the glory it is being dignified it is being uh, uh, clothed with the fullness of God that is what it is all about let us just read one definition quickly and we'll end off with that. The word grace, according to Thayer here, it says grace is that which affords joy now what affords joy it's the power of God amen that which affords joy pleasure delight sweetness charm loveliness it is the merciful kindness of God by which God exerts his holy influence upon souls turns them to Christ keeps them, strengthens them, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. My goodness. Strong says, grace of manner or act, literally, figuratively, or spiritually, especially, it is the divine influence, or I would call God's power, upon the heart and its reflection in the life including gratitude glory to God so if we are under the grace of God we are now under the influence of God we're not under talk anymore we're not under 
just the emotions in the heart of God anymore. We are now under the actions that there is on account of what God feels and who he is. We are now in the place of manifestation of God towards us. That is the grace of God. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much that I could have just ministered this message to you and just bring you a message about the grace of God. There's so much to say about this. I, we can literally preach for 10 hours going through scriptures, looking at the different uh, truths and realities about this. But if you take the word grace, go through the Old Testament, you will find that grace is always connected towards saving from death and bringing life. That's what it is. And it's about actions. It's not about how somebody felt. It's about going to a good person. And when you find grace in the eyes of this person, this person was then manifesting and living his goodness towards you. Now I want to tell you, we are in the grace of God. Grace unto his life. The kingdom of God manifesting in this earth. I would just like to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your kindness and your love towards us. Thank you that I can sit here today and preach your grace. And not say that you will be gracious. We are saying that your grace has come. We behold grace in the face of Jesus Christ. We behold what has always been. Thank you, Lord, that you've come to bring forth your life, your power to bring forth life. The power by which you created heaven and earth is your grace. And thank you that grace is now manifested towards our weaknesses and that we can share in your life. Thank you that it is not about you not being angry anymore, but it is about a God that has always been loving, showing forth his love and bringing forth deliverance to us. I declare everyone that is watching this message blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching, and then you will just hear more from me in our daily devotionals uh, from tomorrow on, and then also for the rest of the week. Thank you so much.